and it gives us hope. But what do I do about right now? I'm thankful for heaven, but I got problems now. I'm dealing with bondage now. My marriage is failing now. Oh, it's an example, baby doll. It's an example. No, we got a great marriage, y'all. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us today. Work with me here. It's an illustration. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're... <laughs> I'm so glad that we can laugh about it because this can be a heavy subject. Whatever we're dealing with, I'm, de I'm dealing with depression right now, you say. Someone says. Is that better? Someone says, I'm dealing with depression. I I'm Thank God for eternity, but I need a good life right now. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to. I'm dealing with sickness in my body right now. Heaven is great one day, but I'm not in heaven right now, so can, can somebody help me get saved from my trouble that I'm in right here and right now? That's what I'm talking about today. So you can literally take James 1.21 and you can say it like this. If you put the meaning of the words in there and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to deliver your soul from temporal danger, to deliver your soul from suffering. Anybody dealing with any suffering here today? I, I got good news. There's hope. You ain't got to wait till you get to heaven to be happy. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to be healed. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have your marriage restored because there is hope. God's word has the power to save your soul. And you can also say it has the power to make whole the sick. So it's clear the body divides between the soul and the spirit. And since we're talking about the division of the soul of the spirit, and we're talking about the word of God has the power to save your soul, I just unpacked the meaning of what that means. Now I want you to look at Romans 12 and 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You do the proving. Jesus doesn't need to do the proving. You and I do the proving. But it doesn't happen until we renew our mind. And even in Psalm 23 and 3, he says that he restores my soul. This Hebrew word for restore is the same meaning as the Greek word for renew. So when we're talking about the word of God has the power to save your soul, it's talking about a renewal or a restoration process that goes on inside of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's like my old chair up here. This old chair, and I hope y'all can see it. The dog really wanted to uh, chew the stitching off of it down here. The dog got it, clawed and chewed up the legs. The finish is kind of torn off over here. It's got stains on it. It's years of wear and tear and usage. Oh, my goodness, look at this beefy man right here. Woohoo! yeah. Skinny, you're awesome. It's got this tear. Its fabric has been ripped. The sun and the years of sun shining in the room has faded the fabric. It's, it needs to be restored. I love this chair. This was my mammal's chair. And I got it. And I'm so happy because I, I love to get old antique things from my grandparents and to have that memory of them. And so this, this chair right here, if I restored this chair to make it look new again, this chair would be the, still be the same chair. It wouldn't be a different chair. It'd be 
my chair. If I restore this chair just because it's different and it looks new and it's restored, does it mean it's a, it, it changed? It's still my chair. It didn't change ownership. It's still mine. It's my chair. And when you became Christ, when you accepted Jesus Christ and believed on him, you were given to him in this kind of an unrestored condition. You were given to him like this. Thank you, Skinny Pete. So it is with our souls. Our souls must be restored and renewed. That word renew and restore by the washing of the word of God, Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. By the word. Those tears and those stains that left you feeling so ugly and bound inside. The shame. The years of abuse that ripped your heart out. The words that chewed and devoured and left scars in your soul. The insecurities that leave you feeling unworthy and not good enough and insignificant. The anger that has you trapped and feeling helplessly out of control because you just can't seem to be freed from anger. The depression that has you in such a deep pit and you can't get out no matter how much you try. You've tried to claw your way out of that deep pit of depression and you just can't seem to find your way out. The fear that cripples because you got that doctor's report and you can't seem to stop the thoughts that I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. And you can't seem to stop the thoughts. You can't seem to get free from the fear. The pain and the hurt of that broken marriage, it's broken, it's struggling, and you're, you're desperate, you're desperate. The doubt that plagues you, you know you want to believe in God, you know you want to have faith in God, but you're struggling in the faith, and you sometimes you feel like the guy in the New Testament that said, I want to believe, but oh God, help me with my unbelief, I'm struggling with doubt. See, Jesus knew that you were tattered and you were torn, and he knew that you were in this condition And he took you in anyway. I knew that this chair was in this condition when I took it in. I knew the springs were broken in here. And I knew it was busted. And I knew what it was like. But I took it in because I knew its value. I didn't care what it looked like. I love this chair no matter how old it looks to you. And it's the same way with Jesus Christ. He took you in and he will take you in if he hasn't taken you in yet just the way you are. He doesn't care about your tears. He doesn't care if your stitching is pulled out. He doesn't care if you've been bitten and the words have been scratched and marred your soul. He doesn't care if you've been worn out by years of neglect and abuse. He doesn't care the condition of your soul. He loves you and he knows how precious and how valuable you are and he'll take you just the way you are. You say, I've tried to pray. I have begged God to deliver me from this fill in the blank. I've tried to get free. I've asked God to heal me, but it doesn't happen. You say, I I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with the unforgiveness. I don't know how to deal with the pain of yesterday. I don't know how to deal with the struggles and the dangers of life. I don't know what to do, Holly. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm desperate. I've tried and I've failed. I need God to save my soul now, today, what I'm dealing with right now. And I can't seem to get free. I just can't seem to get free from fill in the blank. But I'm here to tell you there is hope. You can be free. You can be free. I'm going to give you a shocking statement right here. Put it up, Sarah. God has done all he's ever going to do for you. 
This is a shocking statement. He already gave Jesus Christ. He already gave his son the most precious, most valuable. He can't give any more. The provision has already, for your deliverance and healing, has already been provided. It's already in place. He's just waiting on you and I to act on it. And that leads to my next point. The word of God has, point number two, tremendous power. Now, let me tell you something. Your attitude towards God's holy writ determines everything in how much victory that you will walk in. If you think this book is full of just a bunch of fables and parables and stories that aren't really true, you are deceived. This is history. In the beginning was the Word of God, we're told in John, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You have to understand this is power. This is life. This is your everything. If you need deliverance, if your soul needs to be saved, you've got to get, as Dallas said, get in the book. You remember that sermon, get in the book. He would say that, and we laughed and laughed and laughed at him. Get in the book. This is where the power and the abundant life will take place for you. This is the answer because it's Jesus Christ. It's God the Father speaking to us. You see, Satan keeps us blinded to the truth of the word of God because he doesn't want you and I to learn how powerful this word is, and he doesn't want us to learn to walk in it. He doesn't want us to learn the power that we have because of the word of God. The power is in the word, but if I don't know what's in it, I can't use it. If I don't read it, I'm not going to know what's in it. If I don't get in this book, it can't help me. But when you put God's word inside of you, and when you take it, and you use it like Jesus did, It'll begin to renew and restore your mind and your thought life will start to become new and it'll begin to replace those, those thoughts that are Satan's thoughts with God's thoughts. You have to understand the power of the word of God. You have to understand how valuable it is. You have to accept this as your authority in life. It's more than just a bunch of stories, people. If you believe that, you have been deceived, and it will never work for you until you accept it for the authority and for the word of God. It is God, Elohim, the creator of the universe. He breathed by the power of the Holy Spirit every single word written in this Bible. Every word. And it has tremendous power for us. I was going to tell you a story of kind of how how it worked for me in, in learning the power of the scripture uh, of, of the gospel, but I don't think I have time for it today. Just I just I'll say this: when you face something, and you face tremendous um, temptation, or you're going through a trial and you're trying to believe God for healing or whatever, when you get a word, a rhema word from God and you stand on the word of God, and you keep putting it in, it will change the way you think because suddenly you won't believe Satan's lies anymore, and you'll start to believe God's truth, and you'll be able to stand on the word of God. And I, I was going to tell you a story, but I'm going to skip that just because of <clears throat> we, we, don't have time, we don't have time for it today. But the, this is where we're missing it, church. It's the word of God. We're not seeing results in our life because we're not using the one weapon that Jesus gave us. Ephesians chapter 6 says to put on the full armor of God, all the armor, and to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is your only offensive piece. In the whole armor of God, everything is defensive. 
to protect against the fiery darts of the devil. This is the only offensive weapon that you have. And this is what Jesus used. If Jesus Christ was the Son of God, fully God, clothed in man, and he had to use the word of God to overcome the temptation of the enemy, why do we think it's going to work any different for us? You ready to hear something else shocking? Your prayers are useless until you, until your mind begins to understand the power of the word of God. You could be praying amiss. You could be praying in error if you don't know the word of God. Jesus overcame temptation in the garden. Satan came to him three times. And all three times, Jesus didn't argue with him. He didn't go to a counselor. He didn't look at, at somebody else and say, help me pray. Oh, I'm being tempted by the devil. Come here, James and Peter and Paul. And can y'all help me pray? I'm really, I'm really, and, and, and John, come here. I need your help. He didn't do any of that. No, he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, do not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, he took the Bible. And let me tell you something else. Satan is crafty. Satan took scripture and he tried to twist the scripture and he tried to tempt Jesus with the word of God too. So if I'm not in it and I don't know what's in here, how will I ever protect myself from deceit? How will I ever be able to determine and distinguish between the difference of a lie from Satan and the truth of God if I'm not learning and putting this stuff in me? we got to know the word of God. This is where we are missing it. And we, we're not taking and tapping into the power of the word of God. The Bible tells us the word of God will not return void. That means it will not fall to the ground. If you put it out there, it's coming back with results. Look at this in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living. This is this right here. It's living. It's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division. Here it is again. Point number one. Division of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, it's like sandpaper. All those soul wounds, those mother and father wounds, and those, the tears and the, the abuse and the struggles and the temptation, all that stuff, it's like sandpaper coming in here, sanding off all the rough edges, sanding out all the lies of Satan, sanding out the cultural, the cultural belief systems that are absolutely contrary to the word of God. It scrubs and it cleans and it washes all of that stuff out and it cleanses and purifies. Yeah. 